Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. It's good to be back home. Good to be back home. We certainly have missed each and every one of you, and uh, we are thankful for what the Lord did uh, throughout the month of July. Give a big hand to our uh, preaching and teaching team, our pastors that shared during the month of July. Amen. I, I enjoyed. I, I was tempted to to say, "Run it back, run it back, run it back." I want to. I want to get a piece of that, but we, but we're gonna. We're going to dive into God's Word uh, today. Hey, go, go ahead and um, put your finger on Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, Ephesians 4, verse 14. Amen. That video shared, shed some uh, interesting insight just about uh, integrity and and how we are to live our lives as believers, not just in church. I say it again. I said not just in church, but everywhere we go, everywhere we operate, we are called to 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 live a life of integrity, to live a life that's pleasing to God. And and what what we saw on the video. Let me just say this: our world is infected with this type of thinking, this type of thinking. I mean. A, a while back, many of you remember this, but a while back, uh, a high-profile candidate, this is election season as we get into, well, we know we're having some local elections here in the city, but we also have been seeing, even this past week, uh, two-night debates that was held downtown Detroit uh, for about 20 of the presidential candidates on the Democratic side of the party down here at the Fox Theater. But some years ago, a high-profile candidate who was running for president of the United States, uh, he, I mean, he seemed like a poster child for the all-American Christian family. He had spoken out against President Clinton's uh, infidelities, and his wife started going through cancer treatments at the time, and, and he was ever-present to help and support her. But then during the campaign, many of you remember, during the campaign, uh, word comes out that he had an affair with a member of his campaign staff, and she is now pregnant. And then he vehemently denies it. Sometime later, he admits to the affair, but denies that the child is his. How many people remember those things happening, playing out? A year later, watch this, a year later, he tearfully admits the child is his and asks for forgiveness. Why is it that we see this kind of story take place over and over and over again in our world. It starts out, I didn't do it. I'm not guilty. I am not wrong. Then when he gets caught, I was so wrong, and I'm really, really sorry. Today we're going to talk a little bit about it's only about the misfortune cookie of it's only wrong if you get caught. The misfortune cookie of it's only wrong if you get caught. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it will be on the screen. The NCV version says, Then we will no longer be babies, 
We will not be tossed about like every ship that the wave carries one that the waves carry one way and then another. We would not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They will make, they make plans and try any kind of trick to fool people into following the wrong path. Did you all catch that? Paul is telling the church in Ephesus that we will no longer be babies. Paul is describing here the world that we live in today. The Word of God is amazing. <laughs> I said the Word of God is amazing. Here this, here this Word was written many, 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 many years ago, and here we are. It's almost like he's, he, he's, he has a prophetic view into our world and our society today. And he's telling us that we are, will not be tossed about to and fro, as the King James Bible says, to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Amen. That we will not be influenced by every new teaching that we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and try every or any kind of trick to fool people into, into following the wrong path. And, and it's sad to say, but our emerging generations simply don't know what to believe, so they believe anything and everything. They believe anything and everything. The thing about it is that they lack, we lack solid foundational beliefs. We lack solid foundational beliefs. Dr. Glenn Schultz at, says this, at the foundation of a person's life, we find their beliefs. Put, this, put, put that graphic on the screen. He says, at the foundation of everyone's, at a person's life, we find their beliefs. These beliefs shape their values, and their values drive their actions. Look at this uh, 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 graphic here. At, at the core of this pyramid, we see their beliefs. First of all, draw your eyes to the dotted line that kind of goes around it. Above the dotted line, we see everything that's visible. That's what we can see. But it's below the dotted line is what we don't see. That's the beliefs and the values. And what he's saying here, get this good, he's saying that at the foundation of a person, like we find their beliefs. In other words, e even under the foundation, what we don't see is their beliefs. But these beliefs shape the values, and their values drive their actions. We are driven by what it is that we believe. We are driven by what it is that we value. This was interesting that I found from research from the Barner Group. It says that young people who lack, basic, who lack a basic biblical belief system, watch this, are 225% more likely to be angry in life. 216% more likely to be resentful. 210% more likely to lack purpose in life. Two. 100%, I mean, these are off-the-grid numbers, 200% more likely to be disappointed in life, 36% more likely to be afraid, 48% more likely to cheat, 200% more likely to steal, 200% more likely to uh, physically hurt someone. I'm talking about young people who lack a basic biblical belief system. Watch this, 300% more likely to use illegal drugs and 600% more likely 
to attempt suicide. 600% more like we lack foundational beliefs. And the reason that these numbers are so staggering and so shocking all, I mean, just jaw-dropping, guess what? It's not their fault if they don't know if we don't teach them. It's not their fault that they're struggling with, the, with statistics like this because guess what? We're leaving the teaching of our young people to Pastor Danae or Pastor Max. When the Bible says for us as parents to be teaching our children in the morning, in the noonday, as they go along their way. They lack the foundational beliefs because we're not giving it to them. And so therefore, they have these distorted beliefs, firstly about God. They have these distorted beliefs about God. We, we've reached a time when the prevailing view about God is extremely warped, but it's extremely popular. I mean, no, we're living in that day right now. It's extremely just out of whack, but it's so popular. Saw this in Newsweek, in a Newsweek story. It was, it was dated maybe about six years ago, but I thought it was profound. It says, what teens believe. Get this. It's on your half sheet, but I got to just show this to you. It says, their answers were as individual as the kids themselves. One thought, God was like his grandfather. He's there, but I never see him. Another took a harder view, describing an evil being who wants to punish me all the time. Two more opinions followed, but it was the last one that really struck a chord in me. He says, it says finally, the last teen weighed in and says, I think you're all right because that what you really, I'm sorry, I think you're all right because that's what you really believe. In other words, watch this. Don't miss this, my brothers and sisters. In other words, God is whatever works for you. On this, they all agreed. <laughs> On this particular moment, point, they all agreed that God is whatever works for you. Here's the problem with this is that we don't get to define God. Okay, y'all tripping, I'll talk to this side. I said, we don't get to define God. How can we define God? God is the only one who gets to define himself. You see, the, the emerging generations are extremely spiritual. They believe in God unashamedly. But the majority of them believe that, watch this, that Muslims, Buddhists, Christians, Jews all pray to the same God. And that those prayers and gods all lead to the same place. Do you realize how dangerous this thinking is? Let's go back to the pyramid on the screen, Max. See, it's because there's a lack of a solid foundation of belief. So it's producing poor values. And, I mean, this could not be more in line. It's producing poor actions. Here we are, not even 24 hours, and we saw two, not one, two mass shootings in this country yesterday. Walmart. It's not safe to go to Walmart anymore. Because someone with no foundational belief 
Nothing to drive their values and no, no values to drive their actions in the right way are doing things that they should not be doing. Not only is there a distorted belief about God, but let me tell you this, there's also a distorted belief about the truth. 70% of today's young people believe that there is no absolute moral truth. 70%. 70% of our young people today believe there is no absolute or moral truth. 81%, watch this, believe that our truth is relative to the individual and his or her circumstances. Folks, this is scary. This is scary. Because this means that there is no authority in my life. It means I am my own God. And I decide whatever's right and wrong based on my circumstances and how I feel inside. The problem with this is, Pastor Lisa, is I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself with that type of power over myself. And like the Apostle Paul, I recognize, like he says in the book of Romans chapter 7, what a wretched man that I am on the inside. I simply cannot count on myself for being the absolute source of truth. I mess up even determining when my eight-year-old is lying to me. All she has to do is just produce some tears. And I'm like, well, she's crying. I believe her. And Courtney is like, she's lying. <laughs> Thank God for the Holy Ghost and a wife. Hello, somebody. <laughs> I miss it. I messed that up. Can't we can't neglect to remember what Jesus tells us in John. Chapter 14, verse 6. It's on the screen. I think you remember it. Jesus answered. He says, I am the way and the truth. <laughs> Hello, somebody. And the life. Think about the peace that we, that it gives us to know that God loved us enough. God loved us enough to send his only son to earth to show us how to live this life. He didn't just drop me off someplace for me to find my own way out. There, 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 there wasn't some weird explosion that just banged me into existence. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. And I had to crawl out of some swamp, and then I evolved into a human being, and then I became a man. No, no, no. God made us in his image. He sent his son to love and to die for us and to show us the way. He is. He is. He's the only one. He is the truth. Look at somebody and say, he's the truth. Not only is there a distorted view about God, Donald, not, not only is there a distorted view about the truth, but there also is a distorted view about reality. There's a distorted view about reality. Let me tell you something. Now, back in the 1960s, I wasn't even alive then, but 
I saw this and I was like, wow, this is something. In the 1960s, Hugh Hefner, how many people remember Hugh Hefner? Yeah, Playboy Mansion Hugh Hefner. He said, this is what Hugh Hefner said back in the 60s. He says, if it feels good, do it. And at that time, most Americans rejected that reality. For those of you who was alive back then, am I telling any truth here? I mean, that, 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 that's crazy. If it feels good, just do it. No, 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 no. But here we are almost 60 years later. Fast forward 60 years, and the majority of, 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 of the people in this country subscribe to that mantra. If it feels good, I'm going to just do it. <laughs> the stats say 72% of young people today say you can tell if something is morally or ethically right for you by whether it works in your life. Did y'all see that? You can tell if something is morally or, eth or, or ethically right for you by whether or not it works in your life. If it works, if it works, if cheating works on, if cheating on a test works, then it's ethically right. If stealing someone's clothes or stealing someone's money works, then it's ethically right. If lying to your boss works, then it's ethically right. But where does this lead us, my brothers and sisters? If committing adultery makes you feel good, if killing your neighbor uh, uh, to hide your indiscretion works, it goes back to this, we lack foundational beliefs. And here we are, first Sunday in August. A lot of us are kind of done with the summer travel and we're kind of ready to, you know, back to school is right around the corner. I'm calling us back to our foundational beliefs. Time for us to really realize how it is that God intended for us to live this life that we are living. So we have a distorted view of God. We have a distorted view of the truth. And we also have a distorted view of reality. Psalm 36 and 9 says, God is the foundation of life. I'm sorry, God is the fountain of life. The light by which we see the light by which we see. In other words, if we're not looking at life through the light that God is providing, we're looking at life wrong. So what's the foundation? What's the missing foundation in our world? What is the missing foundation in our world? I sum it up into one thing and one thing only. Because I know there are many ways that we can kind of angle and approach a question like this, but for me, the answer is very, very simple. Right here. God's Word. 
God's Word. God's Word is the missing foundation in our world. His Word. His Word. His Word. The B-I-B-L-E. The very thing that there's so much controversy and, 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 and discussion around, it comes back to the foundation. It's his word. But then there are skeptics that say, but how can I trust the Bible? I mean, after all, you know, if man is flawed and, 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 and man wrote the Bible, then how can I trust what's being said right here? We're going to talk about that today. I'm only going to be a few more moments, so you better catch me, more, catch me if you can. The first thing is we have to understand that the Bible is God-breathed. The Bible is God-breathed. This is a complex thing to understand, so I'm going to try my best to make it as plain as I possibly can. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 Paul is talking to his spiritual son, mentee and apprentice, Timothy, and he tells him, all scripture is God-breathed, watch this, and is useful, somebody say useful, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Other books were not breathed by God. Thank you, Sister Rachel. I appreciate having one amen in my corner. Peter breaks down the process more directly for us when we get to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Listen to what it says. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Did y'all see that? It never was, uh, 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 it had its origin in the will of man. But men spake from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So no, the Bible did not arrive from heaven in someone's inbox. The Bible was not faxed down from heaven. It, 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 the Bible didn't slide into somebody's DM. That's not how we got the scripture today. The Bible didn't just show up in your Facebook messenger. Nothing like that. God breathed the Bible into existence. Just like he breathed man into existence. <laughs> you believe that, don't you? Then you should believe that the Bible, that, that God breathed the Bible into existence. Watch this. Using human beings as they were directed by the Holy Ghost. As they were directed by the Holy Ghost. Let me say this. What God wanted said was said. I said what God wanted said was said. God didn't, after the first publication went out, God wasn't like, Boy, they left out that part. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. What God wanted said was said. And it was directed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible, my brothers and sisters, is God-breathed. God breathed 
it into existence. Using human beings that were led and directed, or, 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 as, or as he said, Peter says, carried by the Holy Spirit. Carried by the Holy Spirit. Get the imagery of that in your head. Carried by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm a big guy. And if somebody picked me up and started carrying me, <laughs> I'm going to be inclined to really abide by what it is that they're telling me to do and instructing me for fear that they may drop me and I hurt myself. That's kind of the picture that I have when I read there in the book of Peter that man was carried by the Holy Spirit. And, the Holy, and God was breathing and, and ministering through the Holy Spirit unto man what to write, what to include, what to say. And man just did not want to get this wrong. And God made sure that man didn't get it wrong by giving us his spirit. Not only is the Bible God breathed, and I'm almost done. I told you you got to catch me, catch me if you can. My second and last point is this. The Bible is trustworthy. The Bible is trustworthy. There was a mother sitting in church, and she had her first grade daughter sitting next to her. And she noticed that she was, the, the, the daughter was looking at her open Bible on the mother's lap. And after studying for several minutes, she whispered to her mom, Did God really write the Bible? The mother quietly whispered back, yes, he did. Looking down at her mother's Bible again, the little girl then said in amazement, wow, he has really neat handwriting. <laughs> Check this out. The Bible is a compilation of 66 different books. 66. 40 different writers. Three continents. Three languages. Over a 1500 period time of years. Over 1500 years. Daryl Bach says, we know a lot about the Bible and how it was produced. In fact, we know far more about it than any other ancient book. Far more about the Bible than any other ancient book. The canon of Scripture. Canon literally, in its simplest form, literally means the measuring rod. That's what was used. So, uh, 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 there, there are several New Testament experts, and, and, and one by, by the name of Bruce, Bruce Metzger, he points out that the canon of Scripture was, listen to this, the canon of Scripture was not a, the result of a series of contests involving church politics. These documents didn't derive, didn't derive their authority from being selected. 
each one was authoritative or, or, or authoritative before anyone gathered them together. In other words, it had the authority already before anybody even decided that it was the authority. The early church did not authorize the canon of Scripture. They recognized the authority through the unity of the Spirit. And the books of the Bible had to measure up to several different tests. Now, some people would like for you to believe that the Bible is simply our religious book as it's just like the Quran or just like the Book of Mormon or just like other religious texts. But the Bible has significant manuscript evidence. Significant. It's interesting even to note that even Homer's Iliad, you know, the, 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 the great Greek uh, poet and author, he wrote uh, the Iliad and the uh, um, Odyssey, right. That, that particular publication, watch this, it has only 643 copies. And that's the most of any ancient literature except the Bible. Are you ready for this? According to Josh McDowell, listen to this, nearly 25,000 manuscripts of the New Testament are stored in libraries and universities all around the world. 25,000 original manuscripts. That includes over 5,000 Greek copies, 10,000 Latin Vulgate copies, and 9,000 other versions of the New Testament dated as early as seven years, seven years after the death of Christ. And of the 20, now understand this, out of the 20,000 lines of text in the New Testament, there are only 40 lines of which there are some debate. Out of 20,000 lines of text in the New Testament, there's only a debate about 40 of them. And I have to believe that just give them some time and keep digging, and even those 40 are going to be proved to be right because the Bible was God-breathed. God's Word is awesome. I said, God's word is awesome. Nothing in this world compares to it. This is not even up for debate. Archaeology even confirms the trustworthiness of the Bible. I mean, they're still discovering. They're still discovering things today, present day, that brings validity to what we read in Scripture. To date, there are over 25,000 biblical sites that have been excavated which support the Bible's claims. Now, the next one is the fulfillment of prophecy that proves the Bible's validity. Now, I don't have time to go through all, I mean, the hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. But let me just kind of walk you through. Can I get two microphones, uh, please? Two microphones and... Um, Brother Jefferson and Pastor Carlos, y'all come up here. One on this side, one on that side. These are in order, and they have front and back, and there's going to be eight of them. Here's what I want to do. I want to show us eight prophecies that were fulfilled just in the last 24 hours before Jesus died on the cross. Eight prophecies that were fulfilled in the last 24 hours of Christ's life 
that can be substantiated by Scripture. Watch this. Not by Scripture and by history. All right? So, Pastor Carlos is going to read the foretelling in the Old Testament. Brother Jefferson is going to read the prophecy fulfilled in the New Testament. All right? Are y'all ready? Come on, stand, stand right here because, you know, they you stand right there. All right. That's a good shot. Make sure they can, they can see you in our online family. Hi, online family. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. All right. So, watch this. The prophecy of Christ <laughs> being betrayed by a friend as foretold in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. Pastor Carlos. Psalm 41 and 9. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread has turned. Has, okay. This on, microphone on, has turned against me. The microphone did it. There you right. go. That's it. That's Can we it. do that over? Do Can it one more time. That? Rewind. Okay. Betrayed by a friend. Psalm 41 and 9. Pastor Carlos. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Prophecy fulfilled, Matthew 26, 49 through 50. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Now listen, I called, now, I called y'all up here. I need y'all to use your preaching voice now. I need you. Oh, okay. All right. Number two. Number two, not three. Number two is it's on the back side. Number two is on the back side. All right, all right, all right. Number two, sold for 30 pieces of silver. Zachariah, 11 and 12. Yeah, yeah. I told them, yeah. if you think it best, read, read give me my pay. Uh-huh. But if not, keep it. So they paid me 30 pieces of silver. Prophecy fulfilled in Matthew 26 and 15. And asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Number three, forsaken by his disciples, Zechariah 13 and 7. Awake, sword against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me. Disclares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd. Yes. And the sheep shall be scattered, yes. and I will turn my hand against the little ones. Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 26 and 56. But this has all taken place, <laughs> that the writings of the prophet Zechariah might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted and fled. Number four. Silent before his accusers, Isaiah 53 and 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Matthew 27. When he was accused. I, uh, the chief shepherd said, and the elders gave him no answer. Number five, he was crucified with thieves, Isaiah 53 and 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion amongst the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because, uh, someone say because, uh, he poured out his life unto death, 
and was numbered with the transgression. He bore the sins of many and made trans. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, live TV, live TV. He made intercession for the transgressions. Yes. Matthew 27 and 38. Two, two, two rebels were crucified with him. And uh, one was on the right side and uh, another was on the left side. All right, Rebel. You're going to mess around and we're going to stop. All right, let's get these last three in. Lots cast for garments, prophesied in the Old Testament, Psalm 22 and 18. I they divide my clothes amongst them and cast lots for my garment. All right, John 19, 23 and 24. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them among four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment uh, was seamless, woven into one piece uh, from the top all the way to the bottom. Let not it tear, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. Now this happened uh, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. fulfilled. They divide my clothes uh, among them and cast my garment, for this is what the soldiers did. (laughs) I've lost control of this sermon. I've lost control of this sermon. Darkness over the land, Amos 8 and 9. Oh, in that day, <laughs> declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darkness the earth in broad day. Light. Light, rather. <laughs> Matthew 27 and 45. From 12 until 3 in the afternoon, yeah. there was darkness came over all of the land. I didn't know there was going to be Kojic versus Baptist. Uh, this is <laughs> you got this is all my fault. This is all my fault. This is all my fault. Let's read this last one straight, brothers. Buried in a rich man's tomb. Isaiah 53 and 9. Too late? Yeah, it's it's gone. (laughs) He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. Matthew 27, 57 through 60. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that he be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out out of the rock. He rolled the big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Come on, let's give these brothers a hand. Thank you all. Thank you. You can take them to the other side.
Amen. 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 <laughs> Somebody say rematch. Rematch. <laughs> Sunday night live. All right, here we go. These, these literally were just eight prophecies. Just eight of them. And I mean, there are hundreds more. But these are just eight of them that were fulfilled in the last 24 hours before Jesus went to the cross. You saw, I mean, hundreds of years before and then fulfilled. I mean, and some of the writings, when you really look at it and read it, they were speaking so prophetically, it was almost, especially the writings in the book of Psalm, it was almost as though the Messiah was there already. That's the kind of authority that they begin to speak with and even write with. It was the messianic message that began to, that, that began to indate them so much, they would speak as though, it was all, as though the Messiah was, all, was already there. And finally, the, the Bible is durable and indestructible. It's been banned, it's been burned, and it's been blasted, but it's still here. Look at this video, watch this real quick. Ain't God good? I said, ain't God good? Psalm 119 declare, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Isaiah 40 and 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. This one isn't on your sheet, but Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Word of God. The Word of God. This book holds the key to everything you want out of life. It does. It holds the key to everything you want out of life. Family, this is the key. Your happiness, this is the key. Success, peace, joy, this is the key. Financial prosperity, health, this, this is the key. But let me tell you something. It can't do a thing for you out here in your hand. It has to get in here in your heart. This Bible is not just for your information. It's for your transformation. Are you allowing God's word 
to transform you. Listen, we all are guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I, I've had it happen to me where there are seasons where, you know, there are days when the only Bible reading I get is when the notification comes on my phone, verse of the day. Okay, all right, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just being honest right now. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. And there are moments when I say, oh, that's a good word. And I'll feel that prompting to maybe go deeper and to dig more into it and read some context. And, and then I'll let the cares of the day get in place of God speaking to me. But I'm convinced that God never does anything haphazardly. He never does anything by mistake. He sets things in order. And I think right now is a moment where God is calling for us to get in order. To put this word back in its rightful position. To make this word a priority. To hide this word in our heart that what? we might not sin against thee. Because just like the video, even if no one else is looking and that egg roll drops on the floor, you don't go serve a dirty egg roll to somebody. Just like in the video when no one else is looking, no one else will know if you just go ahead and just bump up stuff on the back end in your business to be able to make things happen so that you look good on the front end. No, no, no. No, God is always looking. God is always looking. God is always there. Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders.